Good morning, Marshall students, and welcome to another episode of NBA's Unplugged. I'm your host, Fedge McDermott, and today we're going to get started with an episode for today, Monday, April 13th. Uh, so before we get into it, I guess I just want to say, hope that you all had a lovely Easter weekend, or if you celebrated Passover, happy Passover as well, or if you don't celebrate anything, hope we had had a good weekend in general, because it was a nice one, at least out here in New Jersey. Um, I gotta say, for me though, oh man, just between like... The dinners on Good Friday and Easter, since I'm stuck with my family, so we can still have our large uh, family meals, I guess. But, oh man, this weekend really set me on my way towards gaining my COVID-19. So, um, definitely going to try to dial it back on that before that gets out of hand real quick. Uh, but enough about my unfortunate eating habits. Uh, <laughs> getting things started today, we're going to focus on some program office updates. Uh, one being, I mean, I guess the only one being that if you have received an email from Daniel Sneed, uh, if you're in the class of 2021, uh, be sure to go through that email because the academic core reps have been in conversation with a lot of the core, uh, core class uh, professors to sort of readjust things and lighten the load for those of us that are having trouble with balancing all these different acts with the new limitations of uh, taking all these classes through zoom so he outlines everything about all the major changes uh, make sure you go through those because there are some new deadlines and different sort of structuring dates uh, that are very important to make sure that you guys are all uh, in the know of what to expect from our classes going forward that's it for program office updates in terms of events if you're listening to this today, you, uh, there are two events going on today, those that I mentioned on Saturday, one being the Zoom and Learn with Lisa Swank, so she'll be going over how to recruit for entertainment consulting, someone who's very experienced with that, having someone who's worked for Paramount and as an intern, as well as taking a full-time offer with consulting for hopefully an entertainment angle, so she should be very thorough about that. That should be a fun one. And then finally, there is a Data Analytics and Video Games Lunch and Learn happening today at 4 p.m. So this Data Analytics course will actually be hosting a alum USC Marshall alumni who will lead the lecture on how he uses data in the workplace and will be available to answer all questions related to things data and gaming. So uh, this is open to MEGA and MDAC members as I'm reading now. So make sure you keep that in mind as well. And that's about it for at least events that are going on today that I'm aware of. Uh, again, if you have events that you would like to have uh, placed on this podcast as well as in the Marshall Minute, make sure you fill out the event submission form that is attached in the show notes here and has also been distributed uh, via the Marshall Minute where you can find a link to submit events through that as well. Now we're going to move right along to the guest portion of our show, where I have the current MGSA president, Asia Liza Morales, on for a uh, brief talk about where she came from, how she came to Marshall, and what led to her decision of becoming the president of the best NBA program of all time. Uh, so with that, I will now kick things over to that portion of the show. And now for the guest portion of today's podcast episode, uh, hailing from local LA, our current new MGSA president, Asia Morales. How are you doing today, Asia? Hi, Fudge. I'm doing really well. Thanks for the introduction. I'm really happy to be talking with you. I know. It feels like this one's been a long time coming. I feel like when I first started this podcast series, one of the people I needed to at least have on in this first wave was obviously the president of NGSA. <laughs> I'm very flattered. I'm very flattered. Well, of course, anything I can do to collaborate and help, it's um, really awesome to have an effort like this and just keep people connected and communicating. So happy to help out. 
Are there any initial, I guess, presidential thoughts that you want to impart onto the class before we get started? Presidential <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I don't know. I just have. I'm trying to. I'm struggling for regular thoughts these days, much less presidential ones. That's a fair. That's um, a fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, for me, it's just been um, to to be totally authentic and transparent. It's been an adjustment, I think, for all of us um, to figure out kind of what the landscape of school and this experience is. Um, and I'm no different. Um, I think that we have to normalize that this is a strange new frontier for us, but that ultimately um, I've been so inspired and excited about all the things I've seen come through the WhatsApp chats and the emails about how people are staying connected and like supporting one another. Mm -hmm. So just seeing, you know, being the president of, of this community, it, I'm I was trying to figure out what that really meant now um, but I see that the community is still like so strong and, and alive and, and that makes me really proud to be a part of it. Absolutely. I feel like unlike other classes, we've really had to sort of hit the ground running with a lot of stuff just due to like just the timing of everything in general. So it's actually amazing that even though there's been some growing pains that uh, the response from the class overall has been so positive so far. So hopefully that continues on throughout the rest of the semester. Um, yeah, I expect nothing less of the Marshall community. <laughs> yeah, uh, if there's one thing we are, it's stubborn. Uh, so <laughs> getting on more into the actual learning more about you phase, uh, I was hoping to hear more about, I guess, your time growing up locally in LA since you are our first guest, I believe, that is actually uh, born and raised here. Ah, yes. Okay, happy to talk about it. So I am what they call a valley girl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was born and raised in the San Fernando Valley. Um, I, uh, let me see, I grew up, I have two younger brothers, um, so um, being the eldest of three has always been a really big part of my life, um, and just absolutely shaped my experience growing up here, and like, growing up in general. Um, it's funny, because I grew up here, and like, had never seen so many of the things that I think people think of when you think of LA, like, I had never been really spending much time uh, on Rodeo Drive, or you know, even going to the beach, a lot of the things that people um, now, like my classmates, are like love to do and are so excited to do. I'm like, oh, I've never done that. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. The beaches? I've never, been, I've never been to the Runyon Canyon, like to see the Hollywood sign. I like have been to all the beaches for sure. But in terms of like going as often as you'd think in Angelino Wood, um, yeah. I feel like that's one of the the major like stereotypes or things you think about for like an LA native. And I realized that when I left LA. Um, so after growing up here, I spent then much of my education and my career in, in the Eastern time zone. Um, and a lot of it was like explaining to people what it was really like to grow up in LA. Um, and it was just a little disconnected. If you, if you talk to people who are from like LA proper, like uh, South LA, East LA, and like Culver City, like, mm -hmm. you know, San Fernando Valley isn't exactly Los Angeles, but if I had told someone from, you know, Michigan that I was from, you know, Pacoima. They you might like, as well that? just say LA because. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, I, I really, I really love it here. It's, it's still home, always has been, um, and you know, my, my whole family still lives here in the Valley, um, and so it was, it's just been really amazing to come back and, and rediscover, and I guess in a lot of ways, like, like rediscover, yeah, it's, it's probably the word, a lot of ways, um, rediscover the, the place I grew up, um, which, you know, I realized I didn't know as much about as I'd like to. So you're a little bit of a sheltered LA native, I guess is a better term. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> I guess in a way, it's not um, not uh, as much 
exploration as I would have liked, but I think that leaves a lot of opportunity to do it with uh, my classmates now. So I got to get up to speed. <laughs> of course. And so you said you met, you spent the better part of your education over in the Eastern time zone, which is sort of, I guess, more closer to my neck of the woods. Uh, so mm -hmm. where, did, where did you do your uh, undergrad? I did my undergrad um, at Kalamazoo College in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Kalamazoo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Kalamazoo, it's a real place. <laughs> I honestly thought that was like a Dr. Seuss term when I first read it on your bio. And so I was actually confused whether you're actually going to say Kalamazoo. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm loud and proud. Um, I had never heard of Kalamazoo in general um, before I was nominated for um, a scholarship from the Posse Foundation. Um, and that's how I found out about uh, K College, is for short. <laughs> K College. Um, K College. Uh, um, but, you know, it, it was definitely not on my radar. I mean, I had never even been on a plane before I went to Kalamazoo for the first time. Yeah, we can. Um, but no, no, I had never, <laughs> we're <laughs> shelter LA native. We, you know, I went to Vegas and I was like, kind of it. <laughs> you just drove to Vegas because that's, that's yeah, available. <laughs> a lot of driving to go on vacations as a kid. Um, but yeah, I'd never been on an airplane until I went for like my spring visit to like, go see Kalamazoo's campus, um, which was just a huge, a huge change for me. Um, so coming from Los Angeles and going to the tiny, tiny town, well, city, I guess, of Kalamazoo, Michigan was uh, just a big, a big change, but it was like for the best years of my life. I absolutely loved it. Uh, and what did you study in your time at Kalamazoo that made those the best four years ever? <laughs> well, I don't know if my biology degree made it the best voice ever, but um, it was, so I, my major was biology, and I had a minor in anthropology and sociology, which is a combined um, minor. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I, I originally was pre-med, which is kind of funny. I was originally pre-med, um, and then I ended up in organic chemistry, and I was like... <laughs> that is exactly what I was about to ask. <laughs> <laughs> And that's then, always the uh, make or break yeah. class for people it seems like <laughs> no that's when i realized i really wasn't passionate about medicine <laughs> um <laughs> which is fair so i ended up just sticking with biology my focus within that discipline was really on um ecology and environmental studies in urban environments mm -hmm. um so i did um some research and then completed a senior thesis on you know the effect of things like roads like transportation infrastructure on uh like natural wildlife okay and then you had anthropology as like a backup Indiana Jones career in case. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Course, Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny. A lot of people will be like, those are just the most random things to put together in a major and a minor. They're like biology, which is like quantitative data, like, you know, um, doing experiments. And then people don't normally attribute the same qualities to like sociology and like social sciences. But I always feel like they actually complement each other really well. And then when you hear about like what I did after, which is in STEM education, the two coming together yeah. made a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I actually am not sure how the segue into that because it seems like such a stark departure from what you studied in undergrad. So uh, coming mm -hmm. from biology and anthropology, uh, how did you end up working? I guess I'm looking at your most recent one as a diversity inclusion consultant. Yeah, no, it makes a lot. I, I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. There's some <laughs> gaps in there, I assume. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically, what ended up happening was I mentioned this organization that I ended up working for later is the Posse Foundation. They're the reason that I found Kalamazoo, and they're really their um, 
function is to uh, send students to college in a posse. So they have a team of 10 students from one area uh, and you go to school together as a posse. I thought that was just um, like really ironically named. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was okay. named back in like the 80s when uh, that was like a cool yeah. thing. <laughs> um, but really that's the idea is just that um, if you're going from Los Angeles and you've never been on a plane before and you end up in Kalamazoo, Michigan, like me, that you're you more likely lost. to stay <laughs> yeah, and, and persist and graduate on time if you have nine other people who know what you're going through. Yep. Um, and so I had a posse with me in Kalamazoo. Um, and so it was always an organization that was near and dear to my heart. Now, the way that goes for me, the way I tell my story. Um, so I started in biology and um, I realized pretty quickly I didn't want to go into research science. So I, I, did, I realized I didn't want to actually you know, become a scientist and like pursue my PhD. So what I ended up doing was using my degree to go into STEM education um, and really bringing hands-on interactive um, science to students in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So really just trying to bring the textbook to life for kids. Um, yep. And I worked primarily with students who were traditionally underrepresented in STEM fields and majors. Okay. Um, and I found certainly for me um, as a woman of color and being underrepresented in STEM, um, I understood that experience and uh, knew what kind of obstacles they faced um, when it came to studying and pursuing a career in, in science. Mm -hmm. So having the opportunity to promote that interest in this population was really important to me and making sure that they knew that if they you know, wanted to pursue this, um, this track, that they absolutely could. And um, that there was someone like me who had a degree in biology too. Um, so trying to be a mentor and, and just promote that interest in, in science. And so being on the ground, being in schools, seeing really the lack of access and the inequality that exists in our education system today made me inspired to think more broadly, like not just STEM, and think about how this is replicated across a, a lot of different institutions, not only our schools, but in business. Yeah. And so I ended up moving into um, really thinking about how can I have a greater impact in diversity and inclusion and that's when I uh, found my way back to an organization I really loved at Posse, who had um, opened up uh, a group leveraging their expertise working with diverse students um, and all their Posse's all across the country, which at this point had been 30 years in, uh, in operation, um, and started to work with clients to think about their own diversity and inclusion strategy, to think about trainings and workshops on how to approach and address these issues in their workplaces. Okay, so and was this sort of like a new frontier <laughs> for a posse? I guess initially they were really focusing on getting a diverse group into the schools, and now mm -hmm. they were looking more towards the business side of how they could, I guess, educate these businesses on better diverse um, practices. It's a little bit of both. So the, the organization's still going strong. They're actually like remote right now and supporting students. So the main mission of the organization is to um, really identify and train the leaders of tomorrow um, and, and to support these students as they go on to their academic and then um, professional endeavors. Mm -hmm. um, but what ends up happening is as you work with hundreds and now thousands of, of diverse student leaders all over the country, um, people started to ask, like, how do you do what you do and, and what have you learned? And how can that be applied to my business or to, um, you know, our nonprofit organization too or our university? Gotcha. And so I started to reach out to Posse, and that's when they decided that they would start to offer that um, to clients and say, here's what we've learned. Um, mm -hmm. Here are the workshops that, that could help us help you think more critically about these issues um, and why they're important to not just a nonprofit like Posse, but to every organization. 
That makes a lot of sense. Probably a really good position for them too. Um, as you teaching STEM, where, where were you mainly doing that? Was that just sort of like you going from classroom to classroom sort of doing these sort of workshops mm -hmm. or was it more working with the teachers? So it was a program hosted by the army actually. Okay. Um, so it was hosted out of an army laboratory in Maryland. Um, and they ran an in-person, you know, on-site in the labs uh, program, but they decided to actually start bringing the lab equipment and the mentors like me to the classrooms in um, Prince George's County, uh, okay. which is like a high number of um, uh, just under-resourced schools. And uh, it's just it outside was, of DC. Yeah, right. just outside yeah. of DC. Um, and really it was, um, uh, it was uh, an op opportunity for me to actually meet with the teachers themselves and support specific classrooms. So there was like a school and then we would be, we would be matched with a teacher and then we would be in constant communication with them and say, how can we not, how do we, you know, we're not taking over your classroom. We want to complement your teaching. We want to support whatever it is you're trying to reinforce. Mm -hmm. um, so if they said, Hey, we're doing a, le I'm doing a lesson on Monday about protein structure. Can you come in and, you know, do a fun interactive lab with them on Friday about protein structure? <laughs> then we would design something, bring in all the necessary equipment so they didn't have to spend any money okay. um, and work directly with their students. That sounds pretty awesome, actually. But oh my definitely... God, I had so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> the protein yeah. structure sounds like something that you actually did multiple times. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, a, that's it's, uh, one of my favorite ones is really fun, innovative. All the curriculum we like designed ourselves and um, we used Snapchat in that one back in back in the day. I don't know. Is Snapchat cool still? It is. I have it no is. idea. I mean, I transitioned <laughs> I to Instagram years ago, but I know that's why back in the day we like used Snapchat to like scan QR codes and assemble proteins. And huh. um, I just had a blast because the students they just like they just kept kept us young. You know, they just right. were so much fun and brought so much life to you know the work that we were doing and. Uh, Again, I, I do think about that time I I'm like, man, teachers are pretty amazing. And I think about that now, especially with the whole thing going on about how amazing teachers are and, and persisting in educating these students. Oh, of course. And then Jay in a day is also a great opportunity to sort of get a little quick glimpse into the life of like what a teacher has to like do every day on pretty much eight hours. So it's, it's a lot. Like I remember coming back from those pretty exhausted and just thinking to myself, wow, I don't know if I could do it, honestly. <laughs> um, yes, agreed. I just love seeing so that huge crowd of people in jail. Were the, were, the, were the students you were mainly dealing with, I guess they were like high school, if you're doing protein structures, I'm hoping they're like in high school. Or <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, so I primarily worked with ninth and 10th graders. Um, and then, you know, it could range. Uh, our on-site program had as young as seventh graders. And then we also worked all the way up to um, seniors in high school. So. Uh, in the classroom, mostly mostly ninth uh, and tenth, but I have experience working with the with the young ones as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a good a good range there. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess to act as somewhat of a segue, so came from Kalamazoo with an undergrad biology. Want to use that more as I guess to help uh, educate students on STEM and sort of promote mm -hmm. that in the in the school. Uh, that sort of led to, I guess, a higher calling <laughs> where you wanted to, where you ended up back at your almost like pseudo alma mater of the Posse Foundation. Um, so what, 
from working with the Posse Foundation sort of clicked that you wanted to come uh, pursue an MBA? Yeah, it's funny. I, I mean, there are a lot of things. If you had told me like when I was in high school that I ended up in Kalamazoo, Michigan for college, then I would have been like, that's ridiculous. And if you would have told me when I was in college that I'd be now in my MBA at USC, I'd have been like, that doesn't sound like me at all. <laughs> yep, I agree with that. Um, like, yeah. I, I graduated. <laughs> I was like, I'm never going back to school again. I don't care what my grades are. And now I'm like, crap. <laughs> yep, here we are. It matters. Um, yeah, but you know, I, um, I never thought I would pursue an MBA. But what I realized while I was working um, in like diversity and inclusion consulting was that, you know, when I thought about diversity and inclusion, it's such a hot topic today. People are all talking about businesses and, and companies are thinking about this in, in new ways, which is really, really exciting. Mm -hmm. I think what I realized was that um, a lot of times people think about it as like a, a one-time workshop that you can implement or uh, like kind of band-aids that you put on a really important issue like this. And I realized that in order for diversity and inclusion to really be pushed forward, it has to be part of a strategy. And, um, more and more I was seeing companies think about their strategy and how diversity and inclusion could be incorporated into that. And I thought, I need to be part of making the strategy. I need to be part of the, I need to be part of the team that is laying this out from the top and including DNI into that conversation. And so I thought, who are the people making that strategy? Um, who are the people at the, at the decision-making table? Um, and what do I need to be part of that? Mm. Um, and so, I decided that that skill set was best found in an MBA education um, and that those are the people who um, were having these conversations and who were eventually going to be leading um, companies, starting their own companies. Um, and, and those were the people I needed to, I needed to be hanging out with. So for me, it was about finding a program and, and um, uh, finding a home where where I felt like people were aligned with my values and, and also were you know were thinking about some of the things I was also thinking about and were going to take the business world by storm. So that's kind of how I ended up thinking about a business degree. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, again, uh, another step in my career that makes sense in my head, but yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, listening through that, all that, it sounds like you pretty much already took Kirk Snyder's course before you even put pen to paper about uh, writing your applications for coming to an MBA school. So um, <laughs> glad you put the like the good mental work through it so that it wasn't some like snap decision, but it does make sense that uh, a lot of people who are building this sort of strategies, yes, I agree, are mostly people with MBAs or lineages and careers very similar to that of an MBA. So mm -hmm. I think it was definitely a good choice for you to come pursue your MBA in hopes of sort of getting back into a company like the Posse Foundation or some other uh, consulting company to help sort of further that reach for uh, DNI in the workplaces. Yeah, no, it was um, like I said, uh, a lot of a lot of thought going into that next step. I, I think you know graduate school is no joke, um, and the best piece of advice I got around picking a graduate degree was that you need to be absolutely sure. And that came from like when I was considering a PhD back in undergrad. Yeah. And like that's six years of your life that you're committing, and in this case, it's two years, right? But yeah. ne nevertheless, it's a huge step, um, and there are going to be sacrifices you make for that. So it's just got to be the right thing. And I'm glad I waited. I'm glad I figured that out and came to this conclusion because now I'm here, and I'm just so much more sure that this was the right step for me. And that just makes the whole experience that much better, too. I assume. Oh yeah. 
completely enjoying it. <laughs> um, so I guess like now that you sort of like, a, you already know you're going to get MBA. Um, you went to undergrad in Michigan. You're from California. Uh, you're working for the Posse Foundation. Where again? Are you? I was in New York. So you were in New York. You were also in Baltimore or you were in Maryland, I guess, for a time yeah, being. Yeah, like Silver Spring, Prince George's County. Like Silver Spring. Just outside of D.C. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm familiar with the area because I did consulting down there for like three years. But um, Perfect. yeah, so, uh, so you've been all over the place pretty much on the map. So mm -hmm. what, what sort of aspects did you take into account when deciding to get your MBA somewhere? Because uh, going from that track record, I would assume you would just pick the other corner of the U.S. and just go to Washington or something at that point. <laughs> I mean, you know, I still haven't lived in the South, so, you know, TBD on that one um, and the Pacific Northwest. But the great <laughs> question, um, you know, I kept doing this thing in my when I was in high school, I said I was never going to go to college outside of California. And then I moved to Kalamazoo, Michigan. There you go. And then <laughs> when I was in Kalamazoo graduating, I said, I'm not going to move any further east. I'm going to go back home. And then I ended up in DC or in Silver Spring. And then finally I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm, I, I'm as far east as you can get at this point. Um, I'm not going to just, I'm just not going to go further north. And then I ended up in New York City. So I <laughs> kept doing this thing where I kept saying I was going to do something. I did the complete opposite. But this time I was very committed to making it home. Um, and for me, it was always USC was the goal. I mean, growing up here in California and in LA specifically, I mean, you saw a USC license plate on the car in front of you. And it was like, that person's amazing. Like that person must be so smart. It was just this, this dream, um, growing up in the Valley that, you know, to go to USC, I mean, UCLA, sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, and I had a bunch of friends I went there, but for me, like USC just always felt like this this dream and so when it came time to choosing a program I thought what better excuse <laughs> than to go home and and to really take my shot at something that I think I've always wanted um and you know when it came around to telling my family and and seeing what they were going to think about that they were just absolutely thrilled and that just made it a lot easier for me I mean of course there were our top schools all over the country um mm -hmm. but there's something really special about about LA and uh, about USC well, that's amazing to hear and makes me that much more uh, proud to have actually selected USC, having not been from LA in general to begin with. So <laughs> You made the right choice, Ed. Oh, thank you. Uh, so now, now that we're kind of like at USC, I want to get to hear more about, uh, I guess, your experience at Marshall and some of the takeaways that you've had, especially some things that you might put through the lens of a MGSA president. Uh, and so no pressure there. Uh, but before we dive into that, uh, we're going to go into our trivia portion real quick, which is going to consist of about four questions that I've had put together based on uh, your background. And I think you're going to get these all right, probably, because I decided to do LA-based questions. And oh, no. Okay. Honestly, <laughs> two of the questions that I had like picked out that I'm not going to ask you now were already ones that you've sort of already said at some point in the intro oh, no. for this <laughs> and i'm like crap <laughs> i'm trying to keep a straight face here and you're like oh my god why is she doing that like one of the questions literally was um what valley are valley girls from i'm like fuck she said she's from the valley <laughs> oh my gosh that's me yeah so, no, I, I, <laughs> that's a good question you got to use that for somebody else I, i'm curious enough people get it right yeah i know so yeah we'll, we'll see we'll see how i'm gonna you're gonna tear through these i'm sure 
Um, All right, let's have it. Let's do it. So the first one, we'll go with the easy one then, since you're going to get these all right anyway. Uh, <laughs> what country established the settlement of Los Angeles in 1781? Mexico. Wait, which country? Yes. In 1781? Uh, yes. It wasn't Mexico? <laughs> <laughs> wait the united states is 1776 there's that was that was the colonies that was like over there yeah there's no way they made yeah because the whole mexico thing like u.s coming over here yeah no los angeles was already here by then it's not mexico <laughs> i i mean you're making me like want to look it up now because like sporkle, oh, could, be, I sporkle mean, could be wrong <laughs> sporkle I mean, oh gosh i mean i i assumed it was mexico because they owned the area i mean unless we're talking about like spain owning yeah. mexico or where i mean the, the answer says spain ah okay all right that's fair i can concede that <laughs> i was like but mexico is right here okay yeah i see so it was because they own mexico and they had the ability to come up here probably okay yes, yes that's right so it was still part that. of the spanish empire at the time before they relinquished control uh, i guess so what a what a tricky question oh wow i tricked you <laughs> like as a mexican i'm like oh my god <laughs> wait do i not know this okay all right the, the other good. question the other question you already answered which i i don't know many people picked up on it but i did was uh what do you call a person from los angeles and you just said as a was it an angeleno or a native angelino angelino <laughs> and i was like god mm -hmm. damn it <laughs> so taking all your la trivia I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna okay i'm gonna get you on that one though um oh when created the now famous hollywood sign said something else what did the original sign say oh it used to say something else. <laughs> um, I don't know. Hollywood. You know, I actually don't know. I feel like I've read this about, I read this at some point. I'll give you a hint. Know. It's like, it's almost like an extension. An extension of the word Hollywood. <laughs> um, is it like Hollywood land or something like that? That's yeah, that's correct. Ah. <laughs> Hollywood land. That was the original one. Apparently it was supposed to promote some new real estate development or something, but yeah, the original ah. sign said Hollywood land. Wow. Uh, mm -hmm. Thanks for the hint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that saved you there. <laughs> we'll give you a half point on that one. Um, so the third one, this restaurant was the most famous hat-shaped restaurant in the world. What was its name? Hat-shaped? Yes. Um, uh, Not entirely sure if it exists anymore, but it was... It was originally in L.A. It was well-renowned within L.A. Oof. A hat shaped restaurant. Where in LA though? That'll help me. Um, you know here I can, I can what neighborhood? I can pull that up for <laughs> um, you. Clarifying question. <laughs> Let's see. Da, 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 da. I think it's in Hollywood, so Oh, it was in Hollywood. 
Oh boy. So uh, there, I guess I guess there were there was one in, on Wilshire Boulevard and then one in Hollywood. And they're still there, huh? I don't think it's still there. Oh okay. At least I don't know. it doesn't look like it is. I could be wrong though. Hat shaped. Like, is it a top hat? <laughs> is it? Is it? Uh, if you're familiar with, if, if you're familiar with Disney World at all, maybe, maybe not. They they actually have a restaurant of the same name. At their MGM Studios no. Park. Ah uh, no, this is not going to happen. <laughs> uh, the Brown Derby. No, no, I would have never gotten that. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Derby. What kind of hat is it? I, it was like a bowler hat or something. Oh man. I think. Okay, I'm gonna use these questions. I'm looking now. at I'm looking at a picture. It looks like a pretty like crappy them. hat, to be honest. <laughs> it's just a, it's just a brown like bowler derby hat. No, oh, it's supposed to be a man's derby hat. Mm. So it's just very like, just round. Okay, got it, got it. And the last question. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The last question is, what is the name of the city located on Santa Catalina Island? (laughs) This is not called Catalina Island. (laughs) So there's a city located on the island. (laughs) Oh, man. You know, in fifth grade, we used to, like, have a choice to either go to Astro Camp or Catalina Island. You went to Astro Camp. I went to Astro Camp, so I don't know this. Place. I don't know this. I mean, place. I come on. I would have gone to Astro Camp too. Cause. I mean, I agree. I didn't want to go to some stupid island. Um, no, I didn't. Mean <laughs> now, now it's kicking you in the ass, though. I know. Now I don't know the answer to this question. I, I, I mean, it's not. I imagine that it wouldn't be an obvious thing like Catalina. <laughs> no, unfortunately, it's not that straightforward. Like, think like think something else, maybe. Oh God. No, this is this is a wash, Reg. I'm I'm the right. terrible engineer now. <laughs> it is called Avalon. Avalon? What? What a modern sounding name. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently there it was uh incorporated as a city back in nineteen thirteen. So even though it sounds modern, it's pretty old, sounds like. Wow. What a world. All right. These are all questions I'm gonna use to stump my family now. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I, I, I warned you this trivia kind of messes people up. <laughs> Man, I just feel I feel like I need to I'm you know what this is going to come up in some future trivia that I'm going to be like really terrible at but this is the one thing I'll get right yeah it's like if you're ever on you're ever on who wants to be a millionaire it's like this is the one thing that you'll need to know (laughs) oh my gosh I can't wait the goddamn brown derby will come and back to haunt you yeah went and got an MBA but the one thing I need to know is (laughs) (laughs) is that a brown derby for a million dollars (laughs) uh (laughs) okay so now that we've sort of brought you down a peg or two with that trivia uh we can now dive more into i guess marshall specific questions that i had some prepared for you um so we've already talked about how you're the mgsa president uh starting your term very recently in fact right as all this sort of chaos was going on um Mm -hmm. but leading up to sort of your decision to run for mgsa president what was it about your experience at marshall that sort of uh drove you to wanting to be involved on such a scale Mm, yeah it's a good question you know um it's funny I feel like the when I think about my experience at Marshall so far and like 
what it's been like for me, I, I really just think like directly to the community and the people that I met. Um, there's just such a drive, not just for like success and all that stuff career-wise, but like for service. And I think that I just saw so many of my classmates stepping up to the plate in, in like different and unique ways. I saw people like, you know, being a core representative with me on MGSA. I saw mm -hmm. people, you know, taking AVP positions in, in clubs and, you know, joining, you know, fellowship programs and also people who would just like offer to help each other with things, you know, run review sessions. I just, the, the amount of leadership that I saw and in initiative that people were taking, it's really like contagious. It makes you feel like, you know, I want to do that for other people too. And like, I'm benefiting from so many of those review sessions and, yep. you know, things that oh, people absolutely. are doing that, um, that I'm like, what can I do? And what's the impact that I can have um, and that, that'll benefit others too. So um, for me, it was really about the community. I think when it comes to running specifically for MGSA president and like what I really talked about um, when I was running um, was, you know, I, I realized that there were so many people that were like me and that were going through similar things as me. I just didn't know it for the longest time. I think throughout all the busyness and like things that are going on in our lives, like mm -hmm. classes and recruiting and, you know, the club events and all this stuff going on, there were just so many great moments in between where I got to connect with people about like things that were not related to any of that. Just amazing human beings, like people who were like whole humans outside of Marshall. Yeah. <laughs> Be really surprised how whole that. people are. <laughs> yeah. And so I just, I just was so inspired by that and I continue to be. And um, when it came to running for, for MGSA president, I just wanted to um, continue to foster those little moments and, and start to be more intentional about how we talk to one another and how we come together as a community. And I think, um, like I said, there were awesome, great big events and mixers and all that stuff that like you had the opportunity to do. And there were also little smaller intimate moments where people were real with each other. And like, mm -hmm. honestly, raw, we were just like talking about the things that were hard about this experience and the things that were just like, just making us feel a little down. And those were important moments too. And so I felt like as president, I wanted to make, the, I wanted to have both of those things and have intentional space for those moments to happen too. I think they were happening organically, but mm -hmm. um, you know, I wish that I had had those moments sooner. Um, and that was really what I was thinking about when I, I decided to run for MGSA president. That's actually a, re a really cool campaign because, yeah, although we do have a lot of big events going on around campus all the time, it's sort of like those little moments that really make the experience that much better and that much like getting to know people on those sort of levels. And uh, like you said, I guess it didn't really happen right away because I mean, we're all kind of strangers coming into this whole process. So everyone wants to put their best foot forward. No one wants to, I guess, look all too vulnerable coming into the process but uh, I guess through your uh, I guess targeting as uh, president you're hoping to I guess break down some of those barriers and set the stage for those small moments to happen sooner rather than later yeah exactly I think it's just about um, it's about providing space for people that like who need it and I think I needed something like that a little earlier on I was mm -hmm. lucky and I think I found people people found me <laughs> uh, <laughs> And, and just gave me that space. Um, and if I can help, and if we as a, as a board can help facilitate that, um, especially like as a first year coming in and like getting to know the second years and getting to know your class, like all those things matter. And those are the ways that we build community along the way too. Well, you'll be glad to know that hopefully in the summer, I'm hoping to get a bunch of the first years on this podcast as well to help sort of 
share their stories and get to meet each other. So uh, I love hope, that. Hopefully, that's I guess a nudge in that sort of direction. So yeah. hope just hoping Incredible. in their meetings that you give that the blessing, so I don't get have to file that one back. <laughs> so it's on tape now. Oh, so well. if you I liked it. Know, it uh, <laughs> what am I going to do now? Because they're going to blame me. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so going on to the next question. Uh, outside mm -hmm. of your presidential duties, uh, this is more about, I guess, about like the stuff that has been more impactful for you in your career. Uh, so, given that you're going into or hope you're aiming to go into human capital strategy consulting, uh, what sort of events and clubs have been have done the best at uh, preparing you for those roles, or I guess opening the doors for that career down the line? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So I have been involved heavily with uh, the Marshall Consulting and Strategy Club, um, as well as the Leadership and Organization Club. Um, so uh, MCSD uh, is uh, really the hub for uh, all, all consulting recruiting. Um, strategy recruiting as well, I think there's you know, a balance of both. Um, but they do an amazing job of setting up you know, um, information sessions at the beginning, so you know what you're getting into. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they did an amazing job of setting up, you know, case preparation. So for the case interview, um, for all consulting interviews, um, they had just a really robust program for us to participate in that not only gave us practice, but actually put us in front of real practitioners, real <laughs> practitioners, real. Like actual practitioners, <laughs> um, versus like non-ones. Um, but it just gave us that uh, exposure that I had never had and would have otherwise never had. Um, and then on top of that, they gave us uh, just an amazing amount of mentorship. Um, I like met so many amazing second years that were just willing to give so much of their time. Um, and that made me want to give back my time now when I think about being a second year. So mm -hmm. um, the amount of support that came from that club was immense for me. Um, and was instrumental in like securing a consulting internship. So um, wouldn't be here without them for sure. <laughs> um, and then for the Leadership and Organization Club, they're great because they focus a lot on, um, I, I guess on leadership. Um, and so they have a whole area of their club that actually focuses on human capital. Um, and so there were, um, again, a lot of individuals, a lot of overlap from like the MCSC folks and then LNO. Um, that were kind of involved in both, but we're really human capital folks. So they not only gave, um, you know, uh, helped set up roundtables and, and um, talk about like HR and leadership development programs, um, but also had a specific emphasis on human capital. And so for me, I found those events for human capital and also the other ones really helpful because I think if I wasn't going into human capital consulting at Deloitte, um, I would probably ended up in a leadership development program mm -hmm. or something like that, that helps expose me to HR strategy and kind of a, a company like that in, in a rotational environment. So, um, I would have absolutely capitalized on those opportunities through LNO as well. Oh, those two sound like they're actually perfect for what you're going for. So, <laughs> uh, from yeah, the consulting side, the yeah, one. from the consulting side, were you, uh, were you familiar with, I guess, casing in general before coming in or was that sort of like a you, you learned on the fly and was just sort of like, you got it. <laughs> I had only heard about it um, because I had thought about, you know, applying to some of these big consulting firms earlier in my career. Mm -hmm. um, and was like, what kind of interview process is that? I can't do that. And now here I am. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had never heard of it before. I did definitely did my first ones here and it was like market sizing and it was terrible. <laughs> so terrifying. <laughs> 
Um, but like I said, the program really helps you understand what it's all about and how to break it down and how to just like at the end of the day, make it happen. And so when you actually had your interviews, was it just like second nature at that point? <laughs> I don't know about second nature. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't, um, I, it, it's one of those things like all you can do is, cause you never know what your actual face is going to be, right? Like you can only prepare and, and yeah. really just study something that you're already really interested in. So for me, that was really cool because I felt like the prep was also just getting to know things and doing, you know, solving problems that I was already interested in solving and approaching. So um, I don't know that it was second nature, but it was a muscle by that point. And I knew how to, I knew how to flex it. Um, and I knew what was the right thing to say and the wrong thing to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just, you know, get through it, um, and do it well enough. I don't know about well, but well enough. <laughs> well, apparently it was more than well enough because <laughs> look where you are yeah. now. So mm-hmm. don't, don't, don't nag yourself too much about it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, yes. So moving on to our last question. Uh, so this is more targeted towards those that are coming into the program in July, uh, for the first years. And that is, uh, you can either take this as president or as Asia, uh, but what is one or more pieces of advice that you would give to our incoming class who are going to start their MBA journey this upcoming July? Well, um, as president and as Asia, as president Asia, um, <laughs> I, I think the first thing I would say is um, there are going to be a lot of times when you question why you're here why you did this, (laughs) why you left a job like me, like I loved and was doing fine at, um, to, to really come into a chaotic and just like roller coaster experience here at Marshall. Um, but I think what I would say to you is just remember that you belong here. Um, and that there are people here that are happy to remind you of that. Um, you know, there are people who said that to me and there are times where I just didn't believe that. But now that I've made it over the hump of my first semester, um, I feel that now. Um, and I wish I felt it a little earlier. So I think not everybody's going to struggle with that. I think a lot of people are going to like know that this is the right decision and be confident in that. But for those of you that maybe are questioning it or like will question it, like you belong here, like they chose you to come here and that means something. Um, and, you know, it's going to take a little while to believe it, but you'll get there. That's, that's <laughs> definitely some great advice. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And I think the other thing is like, uh, just like to be, be authentic, like be who you are, have authentic conversations with people, be real. Like this community is so welcoming of that of of all of you like who like you know we're not just robots who like come in and and go to class and like say synergies and like you know that's it like oh my god we we are so much more than that and there's so much more to to each of us um than just what we've decided to do and where we are where we were before marshall like um i i i would encourage first year to really be thinking about getting to know one another on a deep and personal level um and and to be real with with each other because Mm -hmm. these are the people who can support you and like be there for you in really challenging moments um and and sometimes to get to you know that support and that like the beauty of a community it takes being vulnerable it takes like 
you know, taking a little bit of a risk and, and sharing something about yourself that maybe like people wouldn't have found out otherwise. And like, yeah. that's how you connect. That's how you like build community. And I, you know, you don't have to do it every day, <laughs> but I would encourage just, just find ways to be real with one another and be authentic. Um, and it goes a long way. I definitely like that one a lot because I guess being real is what ends up leading to a lot of the opportunities that you have here. Because if you're not honest about why you're getting an MBA or what you want to do after your MBA, you're not, I guess, real about that with everyone around you, then people aren't going to know what you're trying to do. And so you can't really leverage your network in that way. And so the only way to leverage your network to get what you want is for them to actually know what you're going for. Yeah, exactly. And the truth is like, this is your network. This is why are you coming to business school? It's like, yeah, for the, the classes. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of it is for the network, right? It's for like the people. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to start a business with someone who's never been real with me. You know, mm. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to refer somebody like it, it's, it's about being honest about who you are. And like, and I guarantee you someone is going to love that. Like, like someone's going to relate to that. Um, mm. And sometimes you just need one person to say it and to be vulnerable. And then a bunch of other people follow. Don't be afraid to be that person. You know, because again, that's how community is made. And that's how the Trojan Network works. <laughs> There's right your on. crash course on the Trojan Network. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> the however $100,000 Trojan Network that you're going to pay for. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's so real. <laughs> so make, make it worth the money. So, yeah. Because uh, it is a great network and it only works as much as you put into it. And if you're not being real putting into it, then you're just going to get crap out. So. <laughs> Totally. I mean, that's the whole MBA experience is you yep. get in what you, you get out what you put in. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. I put it everywhere. <laughs> Don't worry. Like, like It really is about, yeah, that effort. Uh, I, I'm still messing up words all the time with all this like online stuff. I, I can only stare oh at God. a screen for so long. So. <laughs> so true. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So we're just about at the end of our time here. Uh, so first I want to thank you for joining the show. Uh, but before we leave, there's a couple things that we still need to go over. Uh, one being okay. as a thank you for being part of this sort of intro to the podcast series. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds to a minute. It, you really just have as much time as you want to have a <laughs> plug of whatever you want to talk about, whether it's something that's important to you, a club that you're in, uh, something you want to bring attention to the class at large. It's sort of just your time to just talk about whatever you want. Okay. Wow. What a platform. Um, so I guess for me, I, I really just want people to, um, people coming into Marshall to really be thinking about what's important to them um, and what's going to make their experience here at Marshall, like just the, the fullest that it can be. Um, so when you get here, there's going to be like a ton of things to join and get involved in. I hope you'll consider the Marshall Graduate Student Association. Um, you know, our body is really in charge of representing students and being the bridge between, um, you know, the program office and the Marshall administration um, and, and our program. Um, we're, the board this year is amazing, including your very own Fedge. Um, I'm just so committed. <laughs> They're so committed. I mean, it's been amazing. We're only two weeks into this virtual world. And, you know, the amount of initiative and just excitement that the board feels to like start things and get things moving and support the community and do what they can to provide resources. It's incredible. I don't have to do hardly anything. <laughs> um, so um, I would just say get to know these board members because they're amazing and they have like the keys to the kingdom. They know anyone, everyone. 
Um, and find your way to something that you're really excited about. And I hope that will be on your list. Um, when the core representatives application comes around, um, you'll hear more about it later, but um, would love to get anybody involved. Um, so yeah, that would be the, the biggest thing. And, and honestly, like, have fun. Just enjoy the ride. It's, it goes by really quickly. So that's my, that is my hope and message for you all. Well, I love that plug because I was a part of it. So thank you, Asia, for that lovely plug. <laughs> yeah. um, and finally, before we wrap up the show, uh, you mm -hmm. have one choice to make now, and that is how are we going to play out this episode? So you have your choice of the song of the night. Because Asia ran into an unusual amount of trouble when selecting her song, uh, we are now just going to skip forward about five minutes to where we actually concluded on a selection for Song of the Night. Heat of the <laughs> Moment by Asia. I changed my mind. Final answer. Okay, we're doing it. Asia, Heat of the Moment. <laughs> final, final goodbyes. So thank you again, Asia, for taking the time to come chat with me today. Uh, it was great to hear about uh, the crazy roller coaster that you were on before attending Marshall. And it's great to hear that all the reasons that you had in your head for coming to business school have so far uh, put you in the right direction. Oh, thanks, Fetch. Yes, I'm happy to be, I'm happy that this roller coaster life led me to Marshall um, and to this podcast episode. So thanks to everybody for listening. <laughs> okay, so for everyone, this was Asia, who uh, is the current MGSA president. So I'm sure will be a common guest on the show as we proceed throughout our next year here at Marshall. And to play her out for her song of the night tonight is Heat of the Moment by Asia. <laughs> so thanks for tuning in and we'll see you guys tomorrow. I never meant to be so bad to you. One thing I said that I would never do. A look from you and I would fall from grace. And that would wipe the smile right from my face.
Teenage ambitions you'll remember 